Hey, Cam. Yes, Alex. What uh, I know you live in kind of a rural part of North Carolina. Like, what kind of what kind of trees do you have? A uh, lot of pine. A uh, lot, lots of pine. You'll you'll see an occasional uh, oak, you know, or, or not a lot of longleaf pine left around here in these parts. That's more so so toward Fayetteville. So uh, just a lot of like regular pine. Nice, nice. Yeah. I, the the neighborhood I just moved to is a, a a little more manicured than the one I moved out of. Um, so there are a couple of pine trees here and there. We've got like uh, uh, mostly crepe myrtles, which I can't stand. Um, uh, but we've uh, we've got we've got some dogwoods too. Okay. Uh, you know how you can tell it's a dogwood tree, right? How's that? Uh, by the bark. <sighs> See, I thought you were being genuine. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast with your hosts, Riley's Race and the Big Chop Man. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves Podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, joined as always by my compadre, Mr. Cam Matthews. How you doing today, Cam? What? Shaking bacon. Ah, there's the, the energetic shaking bacon we all know and love. Yeah! <laughs> What uh, what are you up to this morning? Oh, you know, uh, picked up a grocery order early this morning. Did the church thing. Now here recording this fine podcast with you, sir. Woohoo! Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not gonna let us get too far into it. What with, was uh, that? Oh God. Um, it's the Undertaker. Hey, uh, uh, budding podcasters, never uh get the cheapest boom arm you can find for your microphone. <laughs> <laughs> it literally sounded like you hit a gong. Ping. Uh, um, anyway, so yeah, I'm not going to let us get too far into this without talking about what's going on in the life of Cam Matthews. So Cam, why don't you tell us a little bit about how uh, your, not your primary job, but your uh, your secondary one is going? Yeah, so um, for those of you that live in North Carolina, and I'm sure this is the same across a lot of states that were unable to play uh, high school football this past fall, it's currently football season here in NC. Uh, So yeah, high school football kicked off a few weeks ago, and I was called to help fill in uh, for one of the uh, color commentators at our local radio station, the same station that I do baseball broadcasts for. during football season, that's kind of my role is that I'm on standby week to week in case something comes up and one of the normal guys is not able to do do his uh, duties that Friday night. So, yeah, I got to call a football game on Friday night in March. It was very cool. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it, it was definitely cold Friday night because uh, North Carolina, despite it being spring now, has not gotten the memo. So. Uh, it's been a bit of a chilly weekend here in the state, but but yeah, it was um it was it was neat to get out and, and get to call. Football's really really fun to call just because you know even at the high school level there's so much pomp and circumstance around it. You know there's just nothing quite like you know Friday night underneath the lights, marching band playing, you know all that good stuff and. You know, especially here in our part of the state, we're just—it's just a lot of communities of little towns 
So, you know, practically half the town comes out for football games and, you know, you've got a guy doing PA that, you know, his grandson plays on the team and, you know, things like that. And I actually had to travel. It, it was it was out of town. Um, it was conference play, but it, it was just a, about a 40 minute drive. But that's always fun too, going and doing a visiting game because, you know, oftentimes you, you get to meet new people and usually the home team are pretty welcoming to you and, you know, help you get set up for what you need for the broadcast. And yeah, it, it was it was fun. Football in football in March. And if I if I remember what you were telling me correctly, there's some big stuff on the horizon for your station and potentially you as well, correct? Yeah, potentially. So there are rumors that we could be getting a collegiate uh, Woodbat summer team. And the radio station that I work for is interested in broadcasting those games. So uh, potentially as close to minor league baseball as I could get, but uh, might be doing some summer league action this summer. Wow. So so I've only got a couple of months before you start big time in me, right? Uh, potentially. Oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah. Je- Jeff Donahue, I'm looking at you. I'm going to need a new co-host. Oh, come on now. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll still make time for my fans here on Chatting Average. Oh man, love it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's really cool. I, I I want nothing more than one day to tune into a Major League Baseball game and have it voiced by the one and only Cam Matthews of Chatting Average Podcast fame. Hey, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's just it it's really fun, you know. Um, I, I've talked about it kind of loosely on the show before, but. Uh, Sports broadcasting is not something that I necessarily went to school for or have really any type of formal training in, but it's something that just, you know, my entire life has always been something that I wanted to do. Um, And about three years ago, I got a chance to, just like I did this past Friday, fill in um, on a football game. And it just so happened that I knew the guy that I was filling in for. I, I was good friends with his son all throughout high school, so I knew him really well. And he knew I'm a big sports guy, and so he called me a couple of weeks out. He knew he was going to be out of town for that game with his job and um, really just needed somebody to fill in, said that, you know, just go on there, talk football. You know, you know, we just want you to do color commentary, so just talk about the plays after they happen. Don't have to keep stats, nothing, just, just go talk. And so I did that, and I enjoyed it. And then the next week I got to do it again because something had come up. So I filled in for like three different football games that fall, got to know the owner of the station pretty well, too, because he would swing by, you know, during commercial breaks and check in on us and that sort of thing. And and finally, you know, football and basketball was something in our community that has been on the radio for decades. Um, I think. One of our high schools, so we, we've got two high schools here in my town. Um, one of them is significantly older than the other. Well, the older high school has been on the radio for their football programming, I think, for 57 years now. Wow. Um, so, yeah, a big history, you know, in, in high school sports radio here in our town. And they've always done football and basketball, but never done baseball. Despite us having a really rich baseball history in our community, they had never done baseball. And so finally, just on a whim, I, I reached out to – the owner of the station, you know, who's also who also covers uh, high school football for the other school and, and is heavily involved in that. So he's a real sports minded guy. And I, I just kind of brought this idea to him of doing high school baseball. 
and I presented all the reasons that we should do it and, you know, the history that our community has in it and that, you know, there's nothing else going on radio programming wise in the spring that we could really pull this off. And so, you know, he kind of said, well, let me think about it. And that was, I believe that was like late November. So it was right after football had ended. And then about midway through January, I get a random phone call from him and he's like, hey, you ready to do baseball? And so, you know, at that point, it had been a month and a half, and I didn't think anything was really going to come of it. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, he hits me with it, and he's like, all right, well, we're about to hit the ground running selling sponsorships. Um, go get to know the teams and the players and the coaches and be ready the first week of March to, to call your first game. Oh, by the way, you're going to be doing it solo. <laughs> so right into the fire yeah so really really got thrown into the deep end um right off the bat uh he the owner of the station he actually came and sat in with me the very first game that i did um he sat in for the first two or three innings you know more so as the you know as the station owner talking about you know bringing this to life and not so much even like a color guy for me and then he left me, and he left me for the rest of the broadcast. And then my second broadcast, uh, I got to call a no-hitter by myself, and that was really cool. Um, and that was one of those circumstances where the kid on the mound that night was just a sophomore, but he had, he's already committed to play at NC State, so he's entering his senior season this year. Um, really good, really athletic kid, and, you know, it really wasn't until about – I think we were through the fourth fourth or fifth inning, because keep in mind, they only play seven at the high school level. It was like the fifth inning. I looked down at my, at my scorebook, and I realized, dang, this kid hasn't allowed a hit yet. So, <laughs> you know, and it, it was one of those things that, you know, you're just you're going through everything in the game, and it's not so you actually, like, look down and realize what's going on that it hits you. And so, you know, getting the call that final out on a strikeout, mind you, because I think he had, like, 10 or 11 in that game like just dominating um that was really cool and so i wish i could find uh an audio (laughs) clip of of your call of the final out there oh i i I lost it like i think you know i I was probably way over enthusiastic about it but it was that's exactly what i would hope for yeah, it, it was just it was really cool. So um, I got to go through that through that entire season on my own, you know, learning things along the way, having nearly daily phone calls with the station owner, especially after ball games, because he would listen in and he would call me the next day because, um, you know, he's been broadcasting for almost 40 years. And he's like, you know, look, here here's some tweaks you need to make. Here's some things you need to work on. Um, you know, my, my timing was off at some points where, you know, I was either talking way too fast or I was taking too long of pauses. In fact, I remember one game, it was probably my third or fourth broadcast at that point. So, you know, at that point, I'm starting to feel a little more comfortable with it. And I remember I something happened on the field and I got lost in trying to record it in my scorebook. And I probably went silent for, I don't know, eight or ten seconds, maybe, which when it's it doesn't a one sound like a lot, but that's that's that, a long that, pause. That, that that's a very long pause of dead air. And so um, I, I let it pause because it, it was it was some something funny had happened on the play. So I was trying to figure out how to best record that so I could review it later on, you know, in my post game. 
And during the commercial break, my phone lit up and I just happened to look down on it. The station owner had texted me and said, that was too long of a pause. Don't do it again. (laughs) It's like, okay, great. Um, But I had a really good first season. Uh, One of the teams, so I cover both high schools here in our community. So it's kind of a split schedule. It's usually five games each. So 10 games total uh, for me to broadcast. One of the teams that I cover made it to the third round of the state playoffs, so they ended just shy of making it to the semifinals. Um, so that that was a really good first season. Um, and then we come into last year where it, it w- that team that made it to the third round was really projected to be state championship hopefuls. Um, I think coming into the season, they were ranked third or fourth in the state, um, like really considered to be a top team. And uh Second week of March, we got we got the broadcast uh, kicked off. Uh, I called a Tuesday night game, and then I called a Friday night game on Friday, March 13th. Um, the day before, the state had announced that after midnight on March 13th, uh, North Carolina was going to be suspending all high school athletics. So it was looking back on it, it was really weird because I remember I remember going to the school that Friday afternoon after work to start getting set up and everything. And I, I met with the head coach like I normally do before the game, just to kind of pick his brain and, you know, and talk to him a little bit about the game that night. And, and I remember, you know, us just kind of talking about, yeah, well, you know, hopefully in a couple of weeks we'll be back and be able to get started back up. Cause that was, that was the thought at the time, you know, when the world kind of started shutting down, um, amidst the the pandemic that, you know, well, maybe we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We'll see what this thing does. And so here we are playing football in spring, and my first game isn't until the second week of May because baseball is not starting till late April this year. So it's it's really interesting, and it's been a really crazy journey, but this year we have 10 games on the schedule. Um, I've got more sponsors this year than I have had in the past two seasons. I'm feeling really good about it. And, 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 you know, and I think of it as a thing that, you know, again, this isn't what I went to school for. It's not what I intended to be a career. And it's still not really what I intend to be a career. If it takes me that way, great. But, you know, I've told my wife this several times because she's been very supportive of me throughout this, Um, you know, without her support, I don't know if I could be away, you know, two nights a week to call high school baseball, but it's something that I love to do. And so she understands that. But, you know, I told her if 30 years from now, if I'm still just the local voice of high school baseball, I'm perfectly fine with that. It's just something really fun to do in my spare time. It's a way that I feel like I'm giving back to the community. So, so yeah, I'm, uh, I, I enjoy it and I'm, I'm looking forward to my third season this year. Very cool. So to 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 steer back towards uh, some stuff that happened this week, did you see the Vanderbilt baseball game from the other day? I didn't see it, but I saw some stats after the fact, and my goodness, Jack Leiter. Good Lord. Uh, <laughs> so let me start by saying this is the second best pitcher on that baseball team. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it... <laughs> Where so he, he had he threw a no he threw a no hitter, uh, one walk shy of a perfect game, including 16 strikeouts, and that walk came on the very first batter of the game 
on a borderline low fastball. Yeah, that's wild, isn't it? Like he um, was he was a whisker away from from a perfect game, and, and just dominated with his fastball all night long. He wasn't even mixing it up that much. It was just, God, that guy is so much fun to watch. And maybe I don't know. Maybe it's just because I don't I haven't paid as close of attention to college baseball um, the past couple of seasons. Like obviously I've known about Kumar Rocker um, because who hasn't known about Rocker at this point. So I don't know if it's maybe because Jack Leiter has been in his shadow, but Jack Leiter is the star of college baseball this season so far. I mean, oh. that, dude, that dude's playing out of his mind. Leiter and, and Rocker are, are probably the craziest one-two punch of pitchers in college baseball that, that I can remember. Yeah. And I, don't yeah know, I, I don't know what they're doing up in Nashville, but... Um, it, God, they are just a, a major league baseball player factory. Yeah, they, they really are. Um, that's about the one thing that Vanderbilt has going for them, but it, at least, in, <laughs> at least in the, at least in the major sports, like I, I'm sure they've got other like kind of minor sports that they do pretty well in, um, you know, Vanderbilt's ping pong team is going to send us a nasty email <laughs> or something. I don't know. I don't know. Oh God. Do they have a ping pong team? So now I'm curious. Probably, I don't know. Maybe some some extracurriculars, some in- intramural sports. Like we we've won the four out of the last five lawn dart national championships, <laughs> and by golly, Vanderbilt knows their lawn darts. Um, we are the national intramural badminton champions. Who do you think you are? I am. Wrong <laughs> <Punk> sport. <laughs> Uh, well, hey, Pete, the- Pete Weber retired this week. Oh man, what a <laughs> what a career from the goat. The greatest oh, he's so good of all time. That's right, I did it. Who do you think you are? I am. Ah, uh, just just the greatest celebration clip of all time. And like the I best was- the best part of it is, I think anybody who's ever participated in any sport and and gotten super excited in in a moment like that like you you kind of understand how you can like you're you you lose control at some point and and words just start flowing out of your head like uh it's it's very common in tennis um because most of us tennis players are crazy people that we talk to ourselves on the court and like uh, words will just come out without any like prior thought like like there, there was a match the other day that, and I, I, I had a, I was set up for, for an awesome shot, and I absolutely botched it. Um, and, and without even a prior thought, the words came out of my mouth. I've been waiting for that shot my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> like I've never said that before. I didn't think about it ahead of time. I just said it. But there's a moment in, in that, in that famous Pete Weber clip where he he says the the who do you think you are I am line and then he kind of pauses and you can see in his face like the what the hell did I just say <laughs> that made no sense <laughs> my my favorite part of that entire clip is when they cut to his wife she just has her face covered in tears 
And, like, I'm sure it's because she's happy for him, but in the back of my mind, I just can't help but think she's crying from embarrassment of her husband acting like an in just a maniac on the bowling floor. <laughs> she's in that moment, she knows, oh, God, people are going to be talking about this for 20 years. <laughs> That's right, I did it! Damn it, right, I did it! <laughs> Well, there was uh, there's one other thing I'm fairly confident you were doing this week, yeah. and that's watching the first couple of days of March Madness. Woo! Uh, kinda. Uh, yeah. Uh, not not the not not the finest showing for our uh, our Tar Heels, but uh, it's certainly been an interesting tournament so far. Uh, yeah, it has. Uh, I think it came out last night after Virginia lost. I think was the tipping point that NCAA.com has zero perfect brackets left after the first two days. I I, I would personally <clears throat> raise the million dollars for someone who still had a perfect ra- bracket. Like, it's just it's just insane. Like, you have... The a, amount of top seeds that are already out is bananas. You have two 13 seeds advancing to the second round. You have a 15 seed advancing. Uh, you've got... <laughs> Suck at Ohio State. You've got you've got a second round matchup in the East with an 11 seed UCLA facing a 14 seed Abilene Christian. (laughs) Yeah, nobody nobody called that. Nobody called that. Like, let me read some of these teams that are in the second round of the tournament right now: North Texas, Oral Roberts, Loyola Chicago. Um, let's see, Abilene Christian, Ohio, and that, that's all the wild ones. But still, you've got a lot of names that you don't typically expect to hear advancing in the tournament uh, that are still playing. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I, I really, I, I might have to turn some on this afternoon or something. I really have not had a chance to watch any games. Like, you know, I missed the Carolina game Friday night, of course, because I, I was covering football. But other than that, like, I really haven't had a chance to actually sit down and watch any. Uh, yeah, right. and I mean, it's it's even with North Carolina losing uh, their first round game, it's uh, it's it's just it makes my heart happy to watch an NCAA tournament. That doesn't include Duke or Kentucky. Yep. Oh, man, that's just food for the soul. And and I I just want to say, too, that for any Duke fan that says that there's no consolation for making the tournament and losing in the first round. How many first round losses have y'all had compared to this being Roy Williams first one? Hey, don't 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 sell the Mercer Bears short. Yeah, that's a powerhouse squad there. Yeah, yeah. At least when North Carolina loses to a scrub team, it's George Mason and they go on to the Final Four. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, losing the first round to Wisconsin, you know, a school that people have actually heard of. Right, exactly. <laughs> Be honest, had you had you ever heard of Lehigh before they beat Duke no, in 2012? No, had not. Okay, okay. I'll just, I'll, I'm just going <laughs> to... Put that point out there. Uh, yeah, love love to see that. So I, I mean, I have to imagine with that many low seeds making the 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 second round that that we're gonna see one or more of them in the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, Loyola Chicago, watch them. 
they are live against Illinois as we speak. Um, uh, maybe not. With <laughs> they're playing Illinois. Maybe not. Yeah, they're playing the number one seed uh, in, the, in, in the section of their bracket. Hey, they are up four to two early. Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much over. That's a tight one. <laughs> two, two minutes. Oh, no, it's six to two now. Oh, they're running away with it. The nail in the coffin. Let, and let's just be honest, too. Had Carolina gotten past Wisconsin, you know what our prize would have been? Who would we have played? <laughs> Number one seed, Baylor. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't have gone well. This, like, I, I'm notorious. Like, my family always does uh, NCAA brackets every year, and, and we have probably ten people participating in them. And uh, they're all just completely sick of me choosing North Carolina to win the national championship every single year, <laughs> um, which which I, I do always. Uh, right. I, I couldn't do it this year. Yeah. Like I, 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 I had them I had them winning their first round match or their first first round matchup against Wisconsin. But I, I I didn't see him making a sweet 16 this year, which is which is weird to say. No, I I agree. I mean, had I filled one out, I'm sure I would have looked at either Gonzaga or possibly Illinois to win it this year because I I really and and it, it's it's probably the lazy pick, but it might be the smartest pick. I really do think Gonzaga takes it, especially now with like Ohio State and Virginia out. I yeah. You know, as as hard as they've fought over the last like 20 years, to remain a relevant team. Like they make so many deep runs, but they just can't get over the top. And I, I wouldn't mind seeing it this year. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't either. I mean, it, it, it'd be cool. Cause I mean, they really have been the best team all year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the argument could be made for Baylor, but uh, I, I wouldn't make it. No, I wouldn't either. I mean, Baylor, Baylor has lost games that they shouldn't have this year. Sure. Um, So I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. We'll, we'll have a we'll have some updates for you next week here on Chatting Average Basketball Talk. <laughs> well, that does it for basketball. What do you say we jump right into some uh, some baseball stories from from this week in history? Let's do it. Hey, do you or someone you love have a beard that could use a little TLC? Well, we've got some good news for you. We here at the Chatting Average Podcast have hooked up with an ambassador for a brand for just about any man, The Beard Struggle. These guys are celebrating all that is man by providing some of the best products around to get your beard ready for the big leagues. They've got everything from beard oils to balms to combs and tons of other great stuff that is perfect for getting your facial hair looking great. Check them out today at thebeardstruggle.com and use promo code AVERAGE15, that's AVERAGE15, to take 15% off of your first order, compliments of the Chatting Average podcast. All right, we're going to jump into this week in baseball history. As always, you can find these facts at nationalpastime.com. And the week we're going to be looking at is March 22nd through the 28th. Our first fact comes to us. From March 23, 2009, the Miami-Dade County Commissioners approved the final documents necessary to move forward on the Marlins' new 37,000-seat home, planned to be located at the present grounds of Miami's Orange Bowl. The long-anticipated retractable roof ballpark will become a reality in 2012, with the team breaking ground this July. So, yeah. Uh, uh, rest, rest in peace, Centerfield Monument. 
Yeah, rest in peace, Centerfield Monument, rest in peace, Clevelander, rest in peace, fish tanks. You see that I got rid of the fish tanks this week, right? Uh, yeah, I mean... I, I, I hate I, it! <laughs> I forget who was saying it, but um, maybe it was Dan Clark or someone like that, but like it, it was one of the more unique aspects of really any major league ballpark. Yeah. And in, in a game that, that has a tendency to lose its uniqueness at times, like it really sucks to see something like that taken away, even though it's a relatively small piece of it. Like that was really cool. Yeah, it, it really was. It, I don't know. I, I I'm with you that I think, what's neat about baseball in general you know unlike basketball courts or football fields that all have to be the same essentially you know one of the neat things about the sport of baseball is that every field is just a little bit different you know everybody's got just slightly different dimensions and then what's even neater is that beyond that the stadiums get to have kind of their own personality i'm not saying they should have kept the home run sculpture because that was an abomination. <laughs> but I, I that was do, really bad. Yeah. But I do hate that, like, they don't, the Clevelander is, isn't open anymore. Like, that was really neat that you had, like, this bar pool area out in left field that, let, let's be frank here, you know, baseball teams are in the game of making money, right? You want to put as many people in the stadium as you can. That also includes getting people who might not necessarily be interested in baseball to pay for a ticket to come to your stadium. And if a night lounge pool area is something that is going to bring somebody in that otherwise would not be paying for a ticket to come in, but they're only coming because, hey, I can hang out by a pool during a baseball game and have some drinks with my friends, then you think you keep something like that. Yeah. And I, I don't and, and I don't I don't know of all the business parameters around it. You know, there might be other reasons that, you know, the Clevelander and, and the Marlins kind of severed their relationship. But I don't know. I thought that was one of the cooler things of that stadium. And then the fish tanks, the fish tanks were always cool. And now you got rid of that, too. So I, I don't know. It, it's it's different. But 2009, I was trying to think I would have been 15 at the time that this news happened. I didn't remember the move coming for Miami, or at least them getting a new stadium until probably like right when it was getting ready to open. Like I feel like that news just never crossed my mind at the time. Yeah, well, I mean you're in the middle of high school. You're not you're not thinking about major league facilities. No, no, not at all, not at all. But nonetheless, like I've heard it's still a pretty neat ballpark. But gosh, they could just keep getting rid of some of the more interesting aspects of it. Yeah. That's oh, a bummer. Yep. All right. Our next fact comes to us on March 24th, 2001. So 20 years ago this week, during an exhibition game against the Giants, Diamondback hurler Randy Johnson's fastball hits and instantly kills a dove flying in front of home plate. The bird... Oh, man. The bird appears to explode as the National League Cy Young winner's pitch sends it over catcher Rod Barajas' head. It That bird looked like it had eaten an atom bomb for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Still one of the, the craziest baseball clips you'll you'll ever see. Yeah, it, it it's, it's just... 
And it's one of those things, too, that, like, I'll never just scroll past that clip. Like, if I happen to stumble upon it, I'll watch it because it's just one of those baseball moments that is, like, truly unbelievable. And if it's something that somebody has never seen before and you try to describe it to them, you know, you inevitably pull out your phone to actually show them the clip because if they've never seen it, they're not going to believe you that this happened. Well, and and words can't possibly do it justice. You have to see it. Yeah. Yeah. So <sighs> the best the best part about the video to me is less like that he threw a pitch that hit a bird. I mean, it's a wild coincidence, but the best part was the ball hits the bird. The ball falls to the ground after that and everybody on the field just kind of stands there with their eyes bugging out of their head like what on earth just happened? Like ev- um, players, umpires, coaches, fans, like everybody was just completely dumbfounded. Yeah. Um, I remember, do you remember there, there used to be a show, I can't remember if it was on like ESPN or like one of the Fox Sports Networks, but do you remember the show Sports Science? Yes. They did a breakdown one time and I, I should I have really tried liked to, that show. Yeah. I should have tried to find this beforehand, but they did a breakdown of the odds of that happening again. And it was like literally like one in several million chances of it ever happening. Like it was just astronomical odds that something like that would happen. I mean, you realize like how many things have to go right for that bird to get destroyed by Randy Johnson. Yeah. And I, and I mean, it wasn't just like it, it clipped a wing, like it hit that bird flush. Uh, yeah. Didn't uh, didn't Peter like try to sue him or something? What on earth is he gonna do about it? Like he just got out there and threw a pitch. I don't know. That feels like something they did. Um, I'm I'm gonna be. People are gonna hear this well after the fact, but I'm gonna be updating you throughout the show. Um, Loyola Chicago is up seventeen to nine on Illinois right now. Ooh. <laughs> Interesting. Some, somewhere, Sister Jean is smiling. I like it. I think she's there, isn't she? Probably is. Yeah. I I, 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 I seriously do think that she traveled with the team. She she is that team. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, she is. That was what five, four or five years ago. Something like that. Yeah. That they made that big run. Was it the yeah. Elite Eight or the Final Four they made it to? Ooh, I don't think they made it to the Final Four. Maybe I think it was Elite Eight. Okay. Still, that's pretty cool. Yeah, for a team like a Loyola Chicago to, to get that far is pretty impressive. Yeah. All right. Our next fact comes to us on March 26, 1951, so 70 years ago this week. During a spring exhibition game against the University of Southern California at Bavard Field, Mickey Mantle, batting left-handed, hits a home run off of Tom Loveridge, which is estimated to travel 650 feet. The 19-year-old rookie's performance, which includes a single, triple, and another homer, is one of the highlights of the Yankees' first-ever West Coast trip. Stop it. 650 feet can't be a real number. Ah, that's what they say. That, That has to be like the story where... You know, Babe Ruth hit a ball into a train car and the train went 10 miles and that was the longest home run ever hit. Except this is a little more believable than that. 
Ah, I don't know. I don't I, know. Look, it, man. It, it, like the ball, maybe it was the like the ball was made of rubber at the time or something. I don't know. The, the ball was not made of rubber. Oh, uh. Nah, man. The Balls mix- were juiced, man. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sure. Sure. Sure, fam. Whatever. <laughs> Well, how, how about this? How about this? Uh, there's an article by MLB.com from three years ago that says Mickey Mantle's famous 600-foot home rate USC may have been further. At least I think that's what it says. I, it says may have been, so I, it might actually say shorter, and my slow internet is messing with me. Uh, corked bat, juice ball. It's the only explanation. Don't, don't you dare besmirch the mick okay <laughs> don't tell me what to do dad you're not my dad okay uh our last fact comes to us from march 28th 1988 four days shy of his 47th birthday phil necro's 24-year hall of fame career comes to an end when the yankees put him on waivers at the end of spring training the right-handed knuckleballer, best known for his tenure with the Braves, compiled a 318 and 274 record, along with a 335 ERA while hurling for four teams, which included the Yankees, Indians, and Blue Jays. 47 when 40, he retired. 47. I mean, Alex, you can relate to this. I mean, would you feel like playing uh, baseball at, at your age of 47 right now as well? God, I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I picked that back just so I can make it that old was like, I, like, that was, I, it was like being tied to the train tracks and the train was going like five miles an hour. Like, I could see it coming from a mile away. There was just nothing I could do about it. <laughs> But no, seriously, though, like retiring just before your 47th birthday, retiring from professional sports. That's crazy. That's fuckers. How old was Jamie Moyer when he retired? It had Uh, to be around there. uh, I believe Jamie Moyer was 64. (laughs) That's not accurate. That's. Let's see. He's 58 now. (laughs) Right. Um, uh, let's 25 see. year career. Good lord. Yeah. Uh, uh let's see. Da, da, he da, retired da, da. in 2012, so that means let's see. He, he would have been 40, 49. 49. My <laughs> god. <laughs> and yet still not quite the oldest player to ever play, I don't believe. Uh, it, it, it's I just be wild. Real. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I, just, I hope he'll just get out of bed without hurting myself at 49. Let alone throwing like 80 pitches or whatever he was throwing. That That's crazy. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff, man. Like crazy I'd be pitching stuff. once a month if I were him. I mean, how, how, how good is your fastball? Not very. But... Honestly, Jamie Moyers wasn't that great either. <laughs> Consistency. Yes. Steady as she goes. <laughs> All right. Well, that has been this week in baseball history. Do with that useless knowledge what you will. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to preview the National League Central and the American League Central for the 2021 season. Stick with us, guys. If you or someone you know has a small business, you need to check out the creators of ChattingAveragePodcast.com, Goat Web Design. These guys have everything you need to get your small business up and running with an awesome online presence. They'll create your mobile and desktop-friendly website quickly and affordably with responsive service, and most importantly, it'll look amazing. Check them out on Twitter, at Goat Web Designs, on Instagram, at Goat Web Design, or on the internet at GoatWebDesigns.com, and tell them the guys from Chatting Average sent you. All right, in 2020, no set of divisions had more teams in the postseason than uh, than the respective Central divisions. Uh, the AL Central sent three participants to the postseason, and the NL Central, as bad as they were, sent four. So let's see what they did in the offseason. So we'll start uh, going worst to first in each, each of these uh, divisions. Uh, starting with the Detroit Tigers in the AL Central. Uh, they finished 2020 in last place with a 23-35 and 35 record. Uh, major arrivals include Julio Tehran, old friend, Derek Holland, Wilson Ramos, and whatever the opposite of old friend is, Jose Urania. Uh, key departures include Yvonne Nova, Jordan Zimmerman, old friend Travis Demerit, and Derek Rodriguez. So so uh, big moves for them getting rid of the contracts of Jordan Zimmerman and Yvonne Nova. Uh, and, and while I don't expect them to have that good of a run in 2021, adding solid arms like Tehran, Holland, and Urania is, is really going to help them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think now you expect Casey Mize to be part of the regular rotation at this point. So... Uh, They'll be better. They won't be good, but they'll be better this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's And and much of the same for the fourth place finishers, the Kansas City Royals. Uh, I, I probably have to remind people that they finished with a 26 and 34 record, which really isn't that bad. No. Uh, I mean, multiple teams with only three more wins than the Royals made the postseason. Yeah. Um. I think I think the Royals are they're going to be a kind of a pesky team this year for those that have to play them. They won't be you know really any good by any means, but like as I, I can't remember who we mentioned this about last week, but they're they're one of those teams. The Giants they're one of those teams that could very well take one out of three from you, you know, if not two out of three if you catch them on the wrong weekend. So yeah, I mean the, the Royals they they're not going to be you know all that fun to watch, but they've added some, some depth at least to, to help their cause. Yeah. Picked up pitcher, pitcher Mike Miner. Uh, yet another from the old friends list. Uh, they got Michael A. Taylor away from the nationals, Gerard Dyson and uh, picked up Andrew Benintendi from the, from the Red Sox. Uh, and, and key losses included Ian Kennedy, Mike Montgomery, Alex Gordon, and Michael Franco. Um, so that again, uh, a team that I'm not going to expect to do a ton in 20, 2021, but, you know, they're going to be better. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Better, but still not great. Yeah, and, and moving into the, the third-place team, this is a team, it just feels weird to say that they were a third-place team because they were a really good team last year, and that's the Chicago White Sox. 
Uh, finished in third place with a 20, or a, sorry, a 35 and 25 record, uh, only finishing in third via tiebreaker over the Cleveland baseball team. Uh, and went on to lose to the Oakland Athletics in the wildcard series. Uh, picked up catcher Jonathan Lucroy, uh, Tim Beckham, Adam Eaton, and pitcher Lance Lynn to add to their rotation. Uh, while losing James McCann, uh, Clayton, is it Richard, or do I have to pronounce it French? Is it Richard? Um, I'm sure it's Richard. Clayton Richard. Uh, <laughs> and Edwin Encarnacion. Um, so yeah, really like where the White Sox are at, though it's going to be a little bit weird seeing a team like that managed by a guy like Tony Larusa. Uh, I'm still not sold on that pairing. Yeah, that that still feels really weird, but I, th- I think the no, White Sox teams always like anytime you're a team and you get an opportunity to add a Hall of Fame baseball guy, um, you know, you 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 take it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure the post-game celebration part is going to be wild, too. Oh, boy. I, yeah, I, I, the White Sox, I think, are going, are going to be better this year. Um, They're going to – I don't know if they still have quite enough to take the division away from the Twins. I think this is still the Twins division, especially with what Cleveland has lost at this point. But I think the White Sox are still going to be a very good team. Um, they're they're knocking on the door. They're they're just going to keep getting better over the next couple of seasons. So um, I I really like the Lucroy signing. I, I really like the Lance Lynn signing. Of course, that kind of gives them another good anchor in that rotation. So it, yeah, the White Sox should be a fun team to watch this year. Yeah, I mean, I I fully expect them to threaten for the division. The, though I tend to agree with you in in your thinking that the Twins uh, uh, kind of own the Central at this point. Uh, I I think there's going to be a little bit more separation in the Central than there was last year. Um, Cleveland is is they're not going to be good, guys. Um, I I wouldn't even be surprised if the Royals finished third ahead of Cleveland and fourth. <laughs> Yeah, I I wasn't going to say it, but that does it feels like a distinct possibility. Yeah, so so moving on to Cleveland, they finished in second place in the division in 2020 uh with the tiebreaker over the White Sox and the same record at 35 and 25. Uh lost to the Yankees in the wild card series. Uh they brought in uh, a couple of Rosarios in Eddie and Ahmed. Uh also brought in Harold R- Ramirez. Uh, very notably, though, lost Francisco Lindor, the best shortstop in the game, and Carlos Carrasco, who was probably their best pitcher last year. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, that was stupid. Uh, <laughs> Bieber was obviously their, their best pitcher last year. Um, but still, Carrasco was a big part of the rotation. It, it's so... <laughs> Cleveland is so interesting because... You know, they make the World Series in 2016, but then every year since then, they've gotten just a little bit worse, it feels like. You know, piece by piece, they've kind of let, you know, people go from that team. You know, more or less um, started with, uh, 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 what's his name? What's that guy's name? Oh. Pitcher for the Dodgers now. Oh, uh, Trevor Bauer. Yeah, Trevor Bauer, that guy. I completely forgot his name for a second. Uh, you know, let, letting Trevor Bauer go. Uh, I'm ready to forget his name, too. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, we're, we're, we're starting to teeter on that fine line. But anyway, uh, 
yeah, it, Cleveland's really weird because they, they were very, very close. And then it just appears ownership said, well, that, that's enough of that. And I feel like great. with... I feel like with Cleveland, we are currently witnessing the the slowest and most deliberate rebuild of all time. Like, oh, we're yeah. Just, we're going to get rid of one or two good players a year and just break it down over the course of a decade and then rebuild. So this, oh, I think their, their window is probably going to be about 2030 to 2035. Yeah, I don't know. It... I like you said, I wouldn't be shocked if they do finish below third place this year because they just they are not going to be the same team this year that they have been. Yeah. Yeah. Well, moving on to the first place finishers from last year, the Minnesota Twins. They won the division with a 36 and 24 record before losing to the Houston Astros in the wild card card series. Uh, They picked up. Andrelton Simmons, Keon Broxton, J.A. Happ, and Matt Shoemaker in the offseason, while losing Marwin Gonzalez, Tyler Clippard, Trevor May, and Jake Odorizzi. Those are some pretty notable departures for for Minnesota. Yeah, it it is. That that offense, though, is still ridiculous. Um, I, I think a big... Big question mark is the health of uh, Josh Donaldson, um, because from what I understand, he has not been seen a lot in spring training so far. Um, so there's still some questions about his health. But I think I think otherwise, you know, you still have a very potent lineup that, you know, with, with a very solid rotation. I, I still think they're the favorites to take the central. Um, it'll probably be a tight race. It might even be tighter than we're thinking between them and the White Sox. But I think those are the two teams in the central to really watch out for is, is the White Sox and the Twins. Yeah, and, and you're right. We haven't seen a ton of Josh Donaldson in the in spring training. But in true Josh Donaldson fashion, uh, he's missing a lot of games. But the games he's playing in, he's hitting home runs in. Uh, it's, it's, his bat is still amongst the more dangerous ones in the league, uh, when he's able to take the field. So, um, I, I agree with you in that a lot of their success is going to hinge on, on the health of their big bats. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that, that lineup, it's got some boppers in it. So absolutely fun to watch. All right. Well, moving down into the cellar of the NL central, we have. I think what we can all agree is the worst team in baseball in the Pittsburgh Pirates. Finished oh boy. <laughs> finished in last place in 2020, winning only 19 games against their 41 losses. Uh, some some huge arrivals for the Pirates in Trevor Cahill, Todd Frazier, and Wilmer Defoe. <laughs> uh, Frazier. Uh, with, uh, with the departures, including Keon Kayla, Derek Holland, Joe Musgrove, their best player, Josh Bell, and Jamison Tyone. They're going to be worse this year than they were last year somehow. Yeah, they're going to be really bad. Uh, like so, I don't know how that's possible, but they are somehow going to be worse this year. God, they, they might lose 120 games this year. They're just so bad. It's... it's and there's, really and weird. there's no end in sight either. There's It's not like... They have a bunch of single A prospects that are going to be great in five years. Like there's just there's no light at the end of this tunnel that I'm aware of for the Pirates. No. It, so, 
you know, you, you lump them in with a team like the, the Orioles, who we'll talk about next week, who, gosh, has, it feels like they've been in a rebuild for at least like five years now. But even with the Orioles, you know, we know of some of their draft picks. But even then, it doesn't feel like the Orioles are necessarily close to turning a corner. But the Pirates, I swear, started their rebuild after the Orioles did, but somehow have gotten much worse than Baltimore has. It's it's pretty crazy, and and I, I'm sure I've said it on the show before, but I, it's it's especially disappointing for me. I used to live up in Pittsburgh. They have great fans. Like if you put a decent team on the field, they're like the fans will turn out. They have one of the best stadiums in all of baseball. Um, but they just can't fill it with a decent team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they they've got the best stadium in baseball. They have a, I mean, they have a really cool history. I mean, the Pirates have a really fun history. You know, dating back to the earliest years of the National League. I mean, this is a very old franchise, very historic franchise, who have had some you know very important players to the history of baseball come along through that team. So it is kind of wild to see them be this bad, but I mean, like we're we're talking historically bad this year. Like this could be one of the worst teams we've ever seen. Yes. So uh, moving on from there, um, every other team in the division made the postseason. <sighs> I, I keep repeating just because it sounds so weird to say. Um, but we will the, move the on. The Brewers were 29 and 31. Yes, we're moving on to the Brewers, who finished in fourth place with a sub 500 record. Of course, losing to the Dodgers in the wild card series. Uh, but they made some some pretty decent moves, biggest of which being picking up Jackie Bradley Jr. from the Red Sox. Uh, also added Travis Shaw, Colton Wong, and took a flyer on Jordan Zimmerman uh, just to see if there's anything left in the tank there. Uh, didn't lose a ton, um, even though uh, some some names you've heard on this list. Uh, Ryan Braun is no longer a Milwaukee Brewer, which feels good to say because he's a terrible person. Uh, Eric Sogard and Jed Jerko are, are both gone as well. Yeah, uh, Milwaukee's going to be interesting, I think. Um, I think one there's... of those teams that for like the last three or four years... They've never looked like they're going to be any good on paper. Yeah. But then they always go out and, and seem to compete for the division. It, it doesn't. The, the, I, I mean, this. Well, I mean, keep in mind, this is a team that, uh, what, three years ago now finished with the best record in the National League and took the yeah. Dodgers, took the Dodgers to seven games in the National League championship. I mean, yeah, like, I, it, I, it's, they, they are. I think it's safe to say they are an incredibly well-managed, well-coached team. Yeah. Um, because they they almost always outperform their expectations. Yeah, I, yeah, they they do. I think what makes this division so tough is that as we look up and down all of these teams, I don't know if I can necessarily look at a team and say, yep, they're the clear-cut best in this division. And that's not because all the teams are great. <laughs> You know, it, it's different. No, when... I, although I, I, I feel pretty confident um, that the division is, is going to be uh, a lot more spread out in terms of uh, a finish than, than it was last year. Um, I, I actually think the Brewers could 
could get uh, like a second place finish this year. Yeah, I mean, they could, but I think when you look at like Brewers, Cardinals, Cubs, I I could see any of those three winning this division. I, I think the Reds, you know, and we're, we're about to get into them, I think the Reds have gotten worse. Um, but like on paper, you know, the Cardinals are, you know, more or less where they were. I mean, you had Nolan Arenado, but you lost, you know, three of your primary players from the past few seasons. And then the Cubs, I, I don't know. This, let, let, I, let's let's get into the other teams. I might I might take some heat for this, but I actually, I actually think the Cardinals might have gotten worse in the offseason. <laughs> they, I mean, they very well might have. They're a year older, that's for sure. Um. So anyway, we'll, know, we'll that, get into that's that. not a young team by any means. We'll we'll get into the Cardinals here in just a minute, but uh, but first we got to go to the Cincinnati Reds who in 2020 finished in third place with a 31 and 29 record, of course, losing to the Braves in the, in the wild card series, which included that epic game one showdown between Trevor Bauer and Max Freed. Uh, key arrivals, uh, Sean Doolittle, Cam Bedrosen, D Gordon, question marks out of, after all of those. Uh, boy, boy, for a team that really didn't have an offense last year, they sure did bolster that, didn't they? Yeah, not really. Um, yeah. Departures, of course, Trevor Bauer, we talked about last week, signed with the Dodgers. Uh, Anthony Desclafini is gone. Freddie Galvis, Archie Bradley. Um, this team got a lot worse in this offseason, and, and it's, it's unfortunate for them because I remember distinctly uh, this time last year, talking about how much better the Reds had gotten since 2019. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like they they gave it a run last year, and that's about it. Like, yeah, I, I don't think the Reds got any better for this season. Um, they could very well be your fourth place team in the Central. Yeah, I I I I, I mean, Pirates are obviously going to finish last. I don't think there's anything that can stop that. Um, so yeah, the Reds are uh, are are the favorite to finish in fourth place, I, I would imagine. Um, so then moving on to the aforementioned St. Louis Cardinals finished 2020 in second place with a 30 and 28 record. Um, if you think that that doesn't add up to 60 games, you are correct. They did not have to finish their season. Uh, they ended up losing to the Padres in the wild card series, uh, made the probably the first or second biggest splash of the of the off season in trading for Nolan Arenado from the Colorado Rockies, uh, but lost Matt Wieters, Colton Wong and Dexter Fowler. Um, you know, you've, you've, you brought back uh, Yadier Molina as well. Uh, that doesn't do anything for me. Nope. Obviously you're, you're making your, your third base position uh, much, much better with Nolan Arenado. Um, but God, like, I don't think they're as good as they were last year this this season. I I could agree with that, but we're also talking about the Cardinals, who just, for whatever reason, have that devil magic that they make these they milk, they, they make these milk toast, boring players work for them every year. <laughs> and no, I'm not. And no, I'm not salty at all. I just whatever. I, I the, the Cardinals are one of those teams. I despise the Cardinals. It's like the the Cardinals, the Giants, just because I was sick of them in the 2010s. Um, obviously, every team in the 
in the NL East besides the Braves. But but yes, Cardinals are are on that list of teams I hate. So yeah, and then uh, then we've got the Cubs, who actually won the division last year, which is something that sounds odd to me to say out loud. Uh, they finished with a yeah. 26 record, but lost to the Marlins in the wild card series. A um, lot of movement on the Cubs roster. They they brought in Eric Sogard, Brandon Workman, brought back Jake Arrieta, uh, made a big signing with Jock Peterson, and then grabbed Zach Davies as well. Uh, but on the flip side, lost Kyle Schwarber, Jose Quintana, Tyler Chatwood, Albert Almora Jr., John Lester, Victor Caratini, and most notably, Hugh Darvish. Like, is the entire NL Central just trying to lose the NL Central? The the Cubs could very well finish with a sub-500 record and still win this division. It's... I mean, this is just not a good division We're all in agreement here that the NL Central is unequivocally the worst division in baseball, right? I would say so. It's it's pretty comical how bad they are. Yeah. Yeah, it's really weird. Like like I said, it's almost tough to pick who's going to win the division, but not because the teams are good. (laughs) Like, who is going to suck the least? I mean, I... I, I hate to say it out loud, but I think the Cardinals win the division. I'm I'm going I'm going in this order: Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs, Reds, Pirates. Like I said, I, I with the top with the top three in that division, I I would not be shocked to see any of those three win the division. I I I really don't know if I could even nail down for certain who I think is going to win it. But um, I, I I feel confident in saying that whoever does win it. It will be because someone else blew it. It will not be by virtue of anything they did. No, no, it, it won't be. No, I, I can agree with that. So. All right. Well, that does it for our Central Division preview. Uh, tune in next week. We are going to be talking about the East, which will probably be the most fun sec- section of divisions to talk about. Um, and obviously culminating with a preview of our 2021 Atlanta Braves. Whoop! Woohoo! I like it. Well, hey, before we go, uh, just a little bit of housekeeping this week to end on on, a, on that note this week. Uh, just a reminder that we do have a t-shirt shop. You can find that at teespring.com slash store slash chatting average podcast. Uh, plenty of designs from last year to choose from, including, uh, a new, uh, Hank Aaron shirt that we debuted last year, uh, Luke Jackson and elite reliever shirt. Um, even an updated shark Melanson shirt in Padres colors. If that happens to float your boat. But also some exciting news uh, later this week, as you're listening to this right now, we will be debuting some new designs for the 2021 season. So stay tuned for that. Uh, looking forward to dropping some of that new new content. And speaking of content, uh, if you're a fan of this show and would like to support us uh, beyond purchasing a T-shirt, we do have a Patreon uh, for as low as $1 a month, you can become a Patreon subscriber, uh, and we also have additional content on there, extra shows, uncensored shows, movie watch-alongs, holiday specials, all that jazz. Um, so please be sure to um, check us out at patreon.com slash chattingaverage. We'd love to have you as a patron, and thank you for listening to the show. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. For Mr. Cam Matthews, my name's Alex. We'll see you all next week for another brand new episode.
Bye! With that, we've reached the end of the show. If you want to connect with the show, you can contact us via text or voicemail at 678-242-9408 or on Twitter at Average Chatting. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash chatting average. We'll see you all next week on another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast.